Charisma. Charisma is the compelling attractiveness or charm that can inspire devotion in others. Scholars in sociology, political science, psychology, and management reserve the term for a type of leadership seen as extraordinary. In these fields, the term charisma is used to describe a particular type of leader who uses values-based symbolic and emotion-laden leader signaling. In Christianity, in Christian theology, the term appears as charisma, an endowment or or extraordinary power given by the Holy Spirit. Etymology. The English term charisma is from the Greek, which means favor freely given or gift of grace. The term and its plural derive from charis, which means grace or indeed charm, with which it shares the root. Some de- derivatives from that root, including grace, have similar meanings to the modern sense of personality charisma, such as filled with attractiveness or charm, kindness, to bestow a favor or service, or to be favored or blessed. Moreover, the ancient Greek dialect widely used in Roman times employed these terms without the connotations found in modern religious usage. Ancient Greeks applied personality charisma to their gods. For example, attributing charm, beauty, nature, human creativity, or fertility to goddesses they called chariots. Theologians and social scientists have expanded and modified the original Greek meaning into two distinct senses, personality charisma and divinely conferred charisma. The meaning of charisma has become greatly diffused from its original divinely conferred meaning, and even from the personality charisma meaning in modern English dictionaries, which reduces to a mixture of charm and status. John Potts, who has extensively analyzed the term's history, sums up the meanings beneath the diffused common usage. Contemporary Christian maintains, however, the irreductible character ascribed to it by Weber. It retains a mysterious, elusive quality. Media commentators regularly describe charisma as the X-factor, the enigmatic character of charisma also suggests a connection, at least to some degree, to the earliest manifestations of charisma as a spiritual gift. History Divinely Conferred Charisma <clears throat> The Hebrew Bible and the Christian Bible record the development of divinely conferred charisma in the Hebrew text, the idea of charismatic leadership and generally signaled by the use of the noun hen, favor or the verb hanan, to show favor. The Greek term for charisma, grace or favor, and its root, charis, grace, replaced the Hebrew terms in the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. Throughout the paradynamic image of the charismatic hero in the figure who has received God's favor. In other words, divinely conferred charisma applied to highly revered figures. Thus, Eastern Mediterranean Jews in the first century CE have notations of charis and charisma that embrace the range of meanings found in Greek culture and spiritual meanings from the Hebrew Bible. From this linguistic legacy of fused cultures in 1 Corinthians, Paul the Apostle introduced the meaning that the Holy Spirit bestowed charism and charismata, the gift of God's grace. Upon individuals or groups, for Paul, there is a clear distinction between charisma and charis. Charisma is the direct result of divine charis or grace. In the New Testament, Episcles, 
Paul refers to charisma, or its plural, charismata, seven times in 1 Corinthians, written in coin, or common, Greek, around 54 CE. He elaborates on his concepts with six references in Romans. He makes three individual references in 2 Corinthians, 1 Timothy, and 2 Timothy. The 17th and only other mention of charisma is in 1 Peter. The Gospels written in the late 1st century apply divinely conferred charisma to revered figures. Examples are accounts of Jesus' baptism and his transfiguration, in which disciples see him as a radiant with light, appearing together with Moses and Elijah. Another example is Gabriel's greeting to Mary as full of grace. In these and other instances, early Christians designated certain individuals as possessing spiritual gifts. And these gifts included the ability to penetrate the neighbor to the bottom of his heart and spirit and to recognize whether he is dominated by a good or by an evil spirit and the gift to help him to freedom from his demon. Believers characterized their revered religious figures as having a higher perfection, a special charisma. Then with the establishment of the Christian church, the old charismatic gifts and free offerings were transformed into a hierarchical sacerdotal system. The focus on the institution rather than divinely inspired individuals increasingly dominated religious through, the, through, a, through and life, and that focus were unchanged for centuries. Additional changes began in the 17th century when church leaders, notably in the Latin tradition, accented individual gifts and particular talents imparted by God or the Holy Spirit. The 19th century brought an increasing shift in emphasis toward individual and spiritual aspects of charisma. Protestant and some Catholic theologians narrowed the concept to superlative, out-of-the-ordinary, and virtuoso gifts. Simultaneously, the term became alienated from the much wider meaning that early Christians had attached it to. Still, the narrowed term projected, projected back to the earlier period, a systematically reflected and highly differentiated understanding of charisma was often unconsciously infused with the scriptures and writings of the church father so that these texts were no longer read through the eyes of the author these dialectic meanings influenced notable changes in pentecostalism in the late 19th century and charismatic movements in some mainline churches in the mid 20th century The discussion in the 21st century religion section explores that charisma means in these and other religious groups. Personality charisma. The basis for modern secular usage comes from the German sociologist Max Weber. He discovered the term in the work of Rudolf Sohm, a German church historian, whose 1892 Recht was immediately recognized in Germany as an epoch-making work and also stimulated a debate between Psalm and leading theologians and religious scholars, which lasted more than 20 years and stimulated a rich polemical literature. The debate in literature had made charisma a popular term when Weber used it in the Protestant ethic and spirit of capitalism and in his sociology of religion. Perhaps because he assumed that readers already understood the idea Weber's early writings lack definition or exploration of the concept. The collection of his works, Economy and Society, edited by his wife, he identified the term and prime example of action he labeled value rational. 
In distinction from the opposition of to action, he labeled instrumentally rational because he applied meanings for charisma similar to Psalm, who had affirmed the purely charismatic nature of early Christianity. Weber's charisma would have coincided with the divinely conferred charisma sense defined above in Psalm's work. Weber introduced the personality charisma sense when he applied charisma to designate a form of authority. To explain charismatic authority, he developed the classic definition. Charisma is a certain quality of an individual personality by virtue of which he is set apart from ordinary men and treated as endowed with supernatural, superhuman, or at least specifically exceptional powers or qualities. These are such are not accessible to the ordinary person, but are regarded as a divine origin or exemplary, and on the basis of them, the individual concerned is treated as a leader. Here, Weber extends the concept of charisma beyond supernatural to superhuman and even to exceptional powers and qualities. Sociologist Paul Juice examined Weber's famous definition and found that through simple yet profoundly consequential phrases such as are considered and is treated, charisma becomes a relational attributable, attributable and at least at last a properly sociological concept. For Weber, the, lo- the locus of power is in the, is in the lead, who actively, if perhaps unconsciously, invest their leaders with social authority. <clears throat> in other words, Weber indicates that it is followers who attribute the individual with power, emphasizing that the recognition on the part of those subject to authority is decisive for the validity of charisma. Weber died in 1920, leaving disordered, fragmentary manuscripts without even the guidance of a plan or table of the proposed contents. One unfinished manuscript contained his above-quoted definition of charisma. It took over a quarter century for his work to be translated into English. With regard to charisma, Weber's formulations are generally regarded as having revived the concept from its deep theological obscurity. However, Even with the admirable translations and prefaces of his entire works, many scholars have found Weber's formulations ambiguous. For the past half-century, they have debated the meaning of many Webrian concepts, including the meaning of charisma, the role of followers, and the degree of supernatural component. Although sociologists have been more active in applying Weber's ideas, researchers in management and organizational behavior, including John Anatokis and his colleagues, have reignited interest in charisma with respect by defining the term in unambiguous ways. Finding ways to experimentally manipulate charisma and to estimate the causal effects of charisma on performance outcomes in work and political settings. Recently, evolutionary psychologists have used game theory and costly signaling theory to study the functions of charismatic leadership in the evolution of human cooperation.